breakfast, make sure you sign up so we know exactly how many people are going to be here. And uh, I think, I really believe that you'll be glad that you made it. Um, all right, we're continuing our series in the book of Matthew. All right, we're looking at this gospel. And it's, uh, it's, it's a book of the Bible, but it is so much more than just a book. It is a story. It's a firsthand eyewitness account of who Jesus was when he walked this earth. What, what was it like? What was he like? Matthew, this guy who experienced Jesus firsthand, experienced Jesus change his life from the inside out, experienced Jesus do amazing things, call him from, from being a tax collector, which in that day was, was one of the worst things you could ever do. Uh, maybe, maybe today you could argue it's still one of the worst things you could ever do. I'm just saying. Um, uh, but in that day, it was really bad. It was like mobster type level of stuff. And so Matthew is living this life away from God. He's pursuing himself. He's pursuing his kingdom. And Jesus shows up and says, I've got a plan for you. Follow me. Matthew does. Everything about him changes. He changes from the inside out. And Matthew walks with Jesus and is carefully documenting everything that Jesus does so that you and I can experience the same powerful transformation that Matthew experienced in our lives. And we've been going through this series uh, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. If you're just joining us, make sure you go online, get caught up because it is powerful, isn't it, church? It's powerful. It's just cool. It's been really fun because we've been walking through this together and we're really understanding uh, what the kingdom of God is like. And that's exactly what Matthew is going to refer back to Jesus's uh, teaching here in this next section, Matthew chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles, turn there. And he's, he's helping us understand what the kingdom is like. What is the kingdom of God like? What is God like? And wouldn't it be nice to know, right? It'd be nice to know. If there is a God, which I believe there is, wouldn't it be nice to know what he's like? In fact, my daughter this morning as I was getting ready for church, she was, she was, uh, she was there and she was asking a question. She goes, she goes, you know, Dad, I mean... She was just thinking about God. She started asking questions about God. She goes, do you think, do you think God colors in heaven? And I said, I know. I mean, I was like, you are so cute. That's what I was thinking. I was like, you are so cute. And, uh, and I said, you know what? I th I'm sure that he does. I, I mean, he, look at the world around us. I mean, man, everything is so beautiful, so colorful. And I'm sure God is still coloring some way, right, somehow. And then she's like, is, what about Jesus. Does Jesus color in heaven? I'm, I'm, I'm sure Jesus colors in heaven. It's a question we want to know. What is God like? What does he do? What is he up to? And that's what we're learning in this, this very powerful little series of parables that we're going to be looking at in the next couple of verses. It's amazing. Matthew is going to record Jesus' teaching on three different parables. One is about wheat. The second is about mustard. And the third is about bread. So it's going to be a good morning. Come on, somebody. I mean, uh, it's, it's awesome. And, and, and let's just be honest. So it's, it's a mustard sandwich, basically. If you, look at the, if you look at the parables, how many of you guys know that mustard makes everything better? In fact, in fact, I, I realize that mustard, and it kind of can be a divisive issue. How many, there's usually mustard people and mayo people. So how many are the mustard people? Raise your hand. Most, most of us. How many are the mayo people? Okay, well, no, it's quite a bit of male people. Quite a, quite, a bit, quite a bit of lost and confused people here with us today, as we're going to find out. Um, how about barbecue sauce people? Anybody barbecue sauce people? I figured there might be a few. How many ketchup people? 
Ketchup on steak? No. You guys know Patrick Mahomes does that, right? No. Yeah, that's a thing. I know. It's, you just, he just went down. I mean, he's like, you're like, I love you, Patrick, but I mean, it's sin. It's sin. He needs the Lord. All right. The message today is mustard sandwiches for everyone. Okay, so that's the title of the message. <laughs> I'm going to show you how Jesus gives us this little mustard sandwich. And what he's doing, he's doing is he's, he's helping us understand what the kingdom of God is like. He's comparing it to things. He's just giving us analogies. He's giving us illustrations. And it's going to help us understand who he is and what he wants to do in our life. Matthew chapter 13. If you are ready to jump in, say I am. Yeah. All right, Matthew 13. Verse 24, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Now, Jesus, we, we talked about this last week. Jesus is starting this little section in his teaching where he's using parables. He's using stories. Stories were the media of the day. Long before Hulu, long before Netflix, there were stories, and so Jesus is like, hey, the kingdom of God is like this. And let me, let me tell you what it's like. It's, a, it's kind of like an analogy on steroids. That's what a parable is. And he's trying to relate to people. And he's trying to help people understand. And he's talking, he's using farming analogies. And last week we found out there were four farmers between two services here at Summer Park. So these stories don't probably connect the same way that they would have connected in first century Jerusalem and, and Israel, but, but, they, but they have powerful stories and powerful purposes uh, in them. All right, verse 25. But while everyone was sleeping, so there's a man who sows good seed in his field. This is a big deal. Your harvest is everything. Your harvest is a big, it's, it's your livelihood. This is, a lot of times you take all that you had made and you had invested in seed so you could get another harvest. And so this is a big deal. This is their harvest. But while everyone was sleeping, after the seed had been sown, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. Again, not many of us probably tracking with weeds and wheat. But the enemy comes while everyone is sleeping. And this is, this is commonly known as a, as a, it's a false wheat. It's a, it's a wheat that, it's a weed that looks like wheat but it's actually called darnel, okay? So that's, that's it's, it's actually, it looks very, very much like wheat until it starts to bud its fruit. And that's when you can tell the difference. Like, oh, no, 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 that's not wheat. That's actually a weed. And now we have an enemy who is scattering this false wheat among the wheat. Oh my gosh, guys, that's really hard to say. I'm two for two on messing that up. False Wheat among the wheat. All right, called darnel. There it is. You guys are tracking. You guys are already ahead of me. Verse 27. Let's get back to the Bible. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your, in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. This is completely going to ruin the crop. And an enemy comes and sows this bad wheat among the good wheat. This, and and I, who would do this? I mean, who would do such a thing? Because this is gonna, this could potentially devastate this family. This could take this family and plunge them into poverty. Who would do such a thing? Apparently, it happened in that day. If you really hated someone, you could sow some false wheat 
among the real we. And what Jesus is hinting at is that there is an enemy. We have enemies. Even more so, we have an enemy. We have the enemy of our souls. And and he is out to, to corrupt the harvest that God is trying to bring about. That's what Jesus is getting at in this passage. Next verse. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? Do you, obviously, there's, there's weeds there. Do you want us to go pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. One of the things about darnel that would happen is that it would get, it would get uh, the roots of the darnel would get intertwined with the roots of the, the wheat. So as you pulled the one out, you would pull the other. And it would, so the harvest would be devastated if you, if you pulled it too early. And so he's like, do you want to do this? Like, no. He says, verse 30, let both grow together until the harvest. And at that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be, to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. All right, which is where we want to go. All of us want to be in the barn with Jesus, a.k.a. heaven. All right, that's what he's saying. And, and then he's saying, like, now, the, the, the false wheat, guess what happens to the false wheat? Gathered and burned. And Jesus is making, he's going to great lengths here to say, you're either in my kingdom or you're not. You're either, you're either with me or you're against me. Like, he's either, you're, you're like, you're a part of this thing or you're actually, a, you're actually not even close and the result is that you spend eternity away from God, burning. Not fun. This is the interpretation that Jesus gives in this. Now, not every parable does Jesus interpret, but this one he does. If you skip down to verse 40, as the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, Jesus is explaining it, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom Everything that causes sin and all who do evil, they will be thrown into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Somebody thinking, wow, Scott, thank you for Thanksgiving week message being about burning in hell and separation. All right, now, this is why it's important to talk about this because Jesus is talking about it. And he talks about it a lot. He talks about a lot. There's this constant light and darkness. There's this constant sheep and the goats. There's this constant uh, broad is the path that leads to destruction, and many find it, and small is the gate that leads to eternal life. I mean, if you look all throughout Matthew, he's doing this a lot. I mean, he, even with, uh, in Matthew 6, we covered this, where there would be some people who do many signs in his name. He's like, I'm sorry, depart from me. I never knew you. It's not a good experience. But really what this is, is God is ultimately giving us what we want. Do you know in life you get what you want? If you, if you want God, you're gonna find him. And God will let you experience him now and for all of eternity. And if you don't want God, God's not gonna force himself on you. And he will let you experience what life is like without God, both now and for all of eternity. That's how this is, and Jesus doesn't want that at all. He's not gonna force himself, he's not gonna make you love him or serve him, but he is gonna roll out the invitation, and that's where the mustard comes in. Look at this, next, next verse, uh, next passage of scripture. He told them, 
another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds can come and perch in its branches. In that day, the mustard seed would have been the smallest seed of the seed collection. It's as small as they got. And when you would plant a mustard seed, most would become bushes, but there were some that became trees, and they could grow to 15, 20 feet tall, and they would have wide branches, and birds would come and nest in them. So Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God, when it's doing its part, when it's operating in its fullest capacity, it's spreading seed that's growing and is providing a place for those that are looking for respite and, uh, and care and encouragement can come to the kingdom. And then he tells them one more parable. It's the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. So, six, so a little bit of yeast becomes 60 pounds of flour, and most commentators believe that would have been about 50 loaves of bread. Look out Panera right here. I'm just saying, okay? So it's, 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 a, li- it's a little bit that turns into a lot. So what we have here, what we have, if you're tracking with what Jesus is doing in these three parables, in this mustard sandwich, what he is giving us is he's giving us the kingdom of God is fruitful, it's producing, but it's under attack. It's under attack. It's fruitful, it's producing, it's under attack, that when the kingdom of God is working, it ultimately grows and makes room for everyone, and that the result of the kingdom is abundance and generosity. These four principles you're, gonna, you're finding in this passage, and it's powerful. When we understand what the kingdom looks like and what it can look like for us when we partner with God, when we are seeking God, when we're doing what God wants us to do, the results are incredible. It has everything, it has everything to do with being fruitful, understanding we're under attack, making room for everyone, and resulting in abundance and generosity. We're going to look at these, these four principles, break them down, apply it to our lives, and leave better as a result. All right, before we do, I want you to find three people and say, hey, man, forget that mayo. I'll take the mustard. Come on, tell somebody. I'll forget the mayo. I'll take the mustard. It's biblical. It's biblical. I don't think there's any mayo in the Bible. I'm just saying. All right, first of all, the first thing that we can see here is pretty clear. Jesus' kingdom is fruitful. It's fruitful. It's what God's trying to bring about. He's trying to bring about fruitfulness. You could also say he's trying to bring about productivity. He's trying to, he's trying to make our lives uh, growing, increasing. He's trying to bring about fruitfulness in us. When I was growing up, late 80s, early 90s, skateboarding was cool. Anybody remember the skateboarding days? Come on, raise your hand if you remember skateboarding. It was cool. Like, it was really, really cool. And, and you know, you, what you wanted to do as a skateboarder was do tricks. You know, maybe do some, maybe do a, go up a ramp, do a 360 or the classic, the ollie. Come on, everybody remember an ollie? <laughs> Except with the skateboard. It's a lot harder with a skateboard. <laughs> now, I couldn't skate to save my life. I just couldn't do it. I mean, I, I would go a little bit, but I couldn't do any tricks. The biggest ramp I ever got was the curb. You know, like, that was it. That was it. 
And so there, was, there were skaters, there were for real skaters, and then there were people who just dressed like skaters. And they were called posers. <laughs> so he said, oh, no, you're a skater and you're a poser. And uh, you looked at the same. You dressed the same. The brands were so cool back then. You guys remember Santa Cruz stickers, Stussy, come on, somebody, Airwalk shoes. Anybody remembering this? So cool. Fanny packs. The, this, I, I don't know if they're cool now. I can't keep track. They come in, they come out. I don't know. I, I'm not about to wear one because I, I don't want to like wear it. And people are like, no, that was cool last week. And now you're, you know, are they back right now? Okay, cool. I don't know. I can't keep, tra- I can't keep track of it. Um, but, but back in the day, if you had a fanny pack, Vision Streetwear, oh my gosh, Vision Streetwear? Oh, so cool. But you had Pete, I was a poser. I had the little, I mean, I wanted to look cool. I had like the cool hat, the cool, like the fanny pack, airwalk shoes, put me on a skateboard. I'm falling, that, I'm falling off of that thing. <laughs> I was a poser and not a skater. What Jesus is saying in the kingdom, there are people who look the part. There are people who can, there are people who can come to church, people who can, who can fit in, people who can have the gear and you can't tell them apart until the fruit is born. And Jesus says you'll be able to tell them by their fruit. The thing about these, these, this false wheat is that, again, it looked very similar. And it would grow right among the real wheat until it started to bud. And you'd be like, oh, no, no, that's the fake stuff. Here's the point that Jesus, I really, I really believe, trying to get across to us in this passage. One of the main points that Jesus is trying to get across in this passage and in all of his ministry is that one of the things that God wants to do in our life is to bring about fruitfulness, to, to bring about productivity, to bring about reality, the, 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 the substance of life, not fake life, real life. That's what Jesus said. He said, you know, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. The message paraphrase says real and eternal life, more better life than you ever imagined. So that's what God wants to do. That's what Jesus is trying to bring about. And you can see this in John chapter 15 because as Jesus is getting ready to leave, to, he's getting ready to go to the cross and then ultimately leave his disciples, he, he's bringing it all home and he says in John 15, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I pointed you so that you may go and bear what? fruit fruit that will last so that you so that whatever you ask in my name the father will give you now the context of that passage is Jesus is talking about when you if you remain in me and I in you then you will bear much fruit why because he's called us to fruitfulness and what does the result look like praying asking God for stuff and God coming through that's pretty cool it's pretty cool. It's, 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 it's a connection to God. It's answered prayer. It's what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 14, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. So it's not externals and it's not material things, but what is it? It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what the kingdom of God is like. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty awesome. Look at how he describes it in Galatians chapter five. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I don't know about you, but I could use some of those things. I want some of those things in my life. I could use a little fruit. I could use a little love. I could use some joy and peace. Man, I, I need that stuff. But here's the, good, here's the good news. God created you to experience it. God wants you to experience it. He wants you to be real wheat. He wants you to be fruitful. He wants you to be abundant, having more love, more joy, more patience. He made us to bear fruit. God wants that for you. But what this passage is showing us is that that is under attack. That whole reality is under attack. Jesus' kingdom is under attack. In, in the parable, at the beginning, it says, while everyone was sleeping. I think that verbiage is very, very interesting. Because while everyone is sleeping, the enemy is working. While we have our guard down, he is stepping his game up. That's why Peter will say to be alert, to be sober-minded, because your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. The enemy is after your fruit. He wants to corrupt your fruit. God wants you to be fruitful. In fact, in the same passage that says, Jesus, Jesus said that I've come that you might have more life and have it to the full. He says the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. So you, this is a theme in the ministry of Jesus. This is the theme in the ministry of the kingdom. We have to understand. God wants us to bear fruit, and the enemy is trying to corrupt it. So, so how does that work? How does he, how does he bring about his fruit. Well, what does his fruit look like? Well, in Galatians chapter 5, right before the passage we just read on the spirit fruit, he talks about the enemy fruit. Look at this in, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 18. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. So we can say now the works of the enemy or the fruit of the enemy's work in our life is evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. None of that is where we want to be. That's, that's, that's the stuff that's corrupting our fruit. That's the stuff that's getting, the roots are getting in, intertwined with our fruit, and it's bringing, it's choking out the life that God wants to work inside of us. So what are the seeds? If that's the enemy's fruit, what are the seeds that he wants to sow in us to get us to that place? Because James talks about this, right? James says that, that when sin begins, when we are, we are enticed and we are dragged away by our own evil desires. So what, what are the seeds that end up causing this fruit in our life? Well, I think one of them is, is selfishness. What the enemy wants us to do is to be focused on ourself, to make life all about us. What are we getting? What are we not getting? Who's doing something? I'm entitled to this. I'm entitled to that. The enemy wants us so focused on ourselves that we miss what this whole thing is all about, and it's all about Jesus. It's all about God. It's all about his kingdom. So if we're looking inward, all of a sudden we'll start realizing we're going to start drawn to this jealousy and fits of anger and rivalries when we're selfish or when we're afraid. 
We'll, we'll realize that the enemy's working when we, get af- when we get afraid. He'll plant a little seed of fear, afraid of what's happening, afraid of what's not happening, afraid of what the world is experiencing, afraid, afraid of all the, the, the diagnosis, afraid of what people are saying about us. The enemy loves us to be afraid. Or he loves us to be discouraged, dismayed about our circumstance, dismayed about what isn't happening for us yet, or confused. Anybody see any confusion in the world today? He's spread a lot of confusion seeds out there. And it ends up, it ends up making us consumed with thoughts uh, about what is and what, what is even truth and and what, what is this thing even about? And let me just tell you, I can, I can, beyond a shadow of a doubt, tell you this, that if you are experiencing any of that, that is not God. If you are experiencing thoughts of like just being consumed with yourself or consumed with fear or consumed with discouragement and doubt, or if you are confused, the enemy is planting his seeds in your heart. He's throwing his seeds. He's throwing his seeds. Now, here's the good news. Here's the good news. This is why it's so important that this passage is all up in there about harvesting end of age, is that he has his seeds, but we have better seeds. We have the word of God. And and James also talks about the word planted in you, which can save you. So so what what is the word of God? Anytime we start seeing the the enemy's seeds start getting sown into our heart, we start quoting the word of God, and it allows us to see the truth from lies. When selfishness shows up, we can say, no, 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 it's, it's not about me. It is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. Not to us, O Lord, but to your name be the glory. We start, we just turn it right around. When fear shows up, we can say with confidence that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. When discouragement and depression reared their ugly heads, we can, beyond a shadow of doubt, say, no, the joy of the Lord is my strength. When the the insanity... And the confusion of the world starts messing with our brain. We can say, no, we know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There is a truth. There's a truth that's better than my truth and your truth. It's called the truth. And his name is Jesus. Come on, somebody. We have an enemy. He's trying to steal our fruit. But we don't have to let him. And when we... Let God move and operate as he wants to and as he has desired. The kingdom becomes a beautiful place for everyone. This is what what Jesus' ideal is. And he uses a mustard tree to communicate it. What Jesus is saying is that the acts of the kingdom start small, but they grow big because they're fruitful. So you have this little seed that grows into this big tree where birds can come and find their nest. You could say it starts small, but it gives life to all. That's what the kingdom is supposed to be like. That's what church is supposed to be like. Is that that when we get together, it's so simple. We get together, we sing songs, we hear from the word, and all of a sudden people's lives are changed. That's what, that's what church is supposed to be like. And it happens because as believers are bearing fruit, 
How many of you know that the fruit primarily is evidenced by how you treat other people? I mean, that's really where it gets evidenced. I mean, that's why we can't live in isolation. We can't live Christian lives completely isolated from everybody else. We are meant for community. We are made to be an outreach to the world. And that's what, that's what the Abrahamic blessing is all about in Genesis chapter 12. The Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. God calls Abraham. He doesn't even, there, there's no relationship before this. It's just God says, I want you, and I want to do something great through you. He says, I want you to leave where you are, and I'm going to tell you where I want you to go. And he says, verse 2, I will make you into a great nation. Why? Just because. Just because. Because God decides to do it. And I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples, and all peoples, everybody say all peoples, on earth will be blessed through you. Now, this is what the kingdom looks like. It's God blessing one person and then blessing other people through that person. Now, what, what God is saying to Abraham ultimately will result in Jesus. The promise is fulfilled in Jesus, and boy, does Jesus do exactly that. He starts small and gives life to all. Think about it. A person, this person born in Bethlehem, born in scandalous circumstances, right, by a mom who claims to be impregnated by angels, by the Holy Spirit, by God himself. I mean, it's, it's a little scandalous. So you have this very small beginning, raised by a carpenter, not a noble, not person of uh, nobility or stature, raised by a carpenter. That one man literally turns the world upside down. He calls a few disciples, collected a few more. He died. He rose again. He ascended back to heaven, and then he poured out his spirit at Pentecost, and the church explodes. And with a mission, with a mission that is, that is an open invitation that whosoever will may come. That's the heart of the gospel. Almost every other faith is very exclusive, but Christianity is invitational when Christianity is done right. When Christianity is done right, it is invitational. It says, no, 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 you come. Come as you are. Come with all of your junk. Come with all of your baggage and find respite in our branches. That's who we need to be. That's what Jesus is saying we need to be. And when we do that, then we don't have to worry about all the people being separated and, 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 and missing out on what God has for them, spending eternity away from him. We don't, have to, we don't have to worry about that because we're doing our job to be salt and light in a place where people can find and follow Jesus. Amen? Amen? Amen. That's what we're about. That's what we want to do. And when we do that, when we do that, the kingdom will result in abundance and generosity. Abundance and generosity. When we give ourselves to following Christ, serving in his kingdom. The result is that Jesus multiplies our efforts and he changes the world. Just like a little bit of yeast in the flour expands the dough. Again, 50 loaves of bread. That kind of sounds like feeding the multitudes. 
that kind of sounds like, that kind of sounds like changing the world. Because in that day, there was no freezer. There's no way to preserve the, 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 the loaves. So 50 loaves of bread for one household is too much. Nobody can eat 50 loaves of bread. Nobody should eat 50 loaves of bread. My wife, my wife has been making sourdough recently. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. And like two weeks ago, she made, she made like three loaves. She kind of got just, she, when she does something, she kind of goes all in. Like it's going to, all the sourdough is going to save us so much money after it costs us a fortune with all the stuff. Um, but she made three loaves and like, 20 rolls like in one weekend and I was doing my best to eat as much as I could but after a while I was like I need some protein to balance all these carbs out and she's like why aren't you eating my bread I'm like I am eating as much as I can if I eat one more roll I'm gonna turn into a roll you have to roll me on out of here but we have freezers so we can store it but in that day there were no freezers so the whole idea is that God's going to give you more than enough. God, when the kingdom works well, and I mean, there's a lot that goes into this. All right? When the kingdom works right, when we honor God, when we seek God, when we, we apply his principles, when the kingdom principles are at work in our life, we'll have more than enough. Now, I'm not talking, that doesn't mean you're super rich. That's not what I'm saying. You have more than enough so that you can share, that you can share. I'm just talking about living in, in an understanding that what I have is not just for me. That God is blessing me with more and what I need to do is be looking for ways to share. What I need to be doing is looking for ways to give that away. God, you've blessed me with so much. How can I partner with you? First gift, a great opportunity as a church. The whole, the whole principle is that we have so much stuff that, and we're gonna be giving lots of gifts this, this Christmas season. Praise God for how he's blessed us. But there are plenty of people, plenty of people who, who don't have what they need. So we wanna give our first gift to those in need. It's just a way, that's, just a, that's what the kingdom looks like. When the kingdom works right, it's saying, come on in. Come on, you don't have to have all your stuff figured out. Come on in. Jesus will take care of that. That's what he does. We're not, we're not a, a waiting room for the saints. We're hospital for the sick. Come on in. Come on in. And as you start seeking God, as you start pursuing God, he's gonna just start doing stuff in your life. This is the gospel. And it starts small, but it gives life to all. It doesn't seem like a lot, but I want to challenge all of us to think about this. What you have to give, it may seem small to you, but when you partner with God, it can change the world. It could be financially, could be with your time, could be with your talent. When you come and you say, God, what can I do? Where do you mean me at church? You want me holding the door? You want me serving the kids area? How do you want me? You want me to be on an outreach team? What, what do you want me to do? Where do you have me? That little thing that you bring, and it may seem insignificant to you. It may seem like just changing a diaper in the kids' area, but it's allowing somebody to come in and get the bread of life to change their souls. It's powerful. 
can't hold on to it. If we hold on to it, it's going to get moldy. It's going to get crusty. And that's how some Christians look. And that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate, isn't it? It's unfortunate when the world's perception of us is moldy and crusty and stingy instead of open and generous and sacrificial and sharing because that's who Jesus has created and called us to be. Amen? Amen. Amen. Will you stand with me, church? Let's take a moment. Let's, let's just say, God, what do you want to do in our heart? What do you want to do in our heart? This, this should mess with us a little bit. This message should mess with us. Because, there, I, I, because everything in our world is moving against this. It's moving to be more selfish, not less. It's moving to be more fearful, not less. More confused, not less. The kingdom looks so different. Righteousness, peace, joy, fruitfulness. God wants to bear fruit, answered prayer. God wants you to experience that. The enemy's working, God's way is better, and when we partner with him, we, give, we start small, we give life to all, and we expand in abundance and generosity. What do you need? I, I can help you. How can I help serve you? How can I help make your life better? Is that how the gospel has gripped your soul? If not, we've got some inventory. We've got some inventory to do. We just say, God, I pray that you would change my heart. Soften it. Soften it. Take some of those, take some of those bad seeds out. And let me be.